You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. We're on episode 51 and this is uh, your host, Curtis Finley, and my co-host, Julia Frost. And uh, Julie is um, with us today again because Mike is still off um, having a baby and be- being a father, <laughs> learning how all of that is. Um that's all old news for me. When uh, when Samantha was born back in December, um, I didn't take a month off. <laughs> you didn't? <laughs> no. Oh, you're but used it was, to this now. Is, yeah, that was my that was my you're third good. child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I totally understand where like that. Those first few months are just they're brutal. But um, so I w- we wish them all the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. If you were with us in the last episode, we were talking about the Vision, the Marvel comic, uh, the Marvel book that that just came out, and uh, this month we have a, a new a new book to talk about. So um, I picked Through the Woods by Emily Carroll. She's Canadian um, from Ontario, and I think she lives there still with her wife. And yeah, she was here in, in in Vancouver for a little while. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. cool. Um, you actually recommended this book to me a, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, Did you read it at that time? No, I didn't. Okay. I actually was um, <laughs> I was looking for something that wasn't quite a comic that I could read. Okay. <laughs> and this this fit the bill, so I picked it up. And this was actually my first introduction to her. Okay. Um, so I was I was really happy to read it. And and what it is is a collection of um, short horror stories. Yeah. And then there's a little, you know, epilogue and prologue that go along with that. But it's um, it's all written and drawn by her. Um, it's beautiful work. She's got um, extra comics on her website as well. And um, she's done illustration for, you know, Adventure Time comics and things like that. Oh, um, yeah. Nice. So she's she's done a few illustration projects for sure. Those are the um, ones to pay the bills, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this book is, um, like, I think it's her first solo publication. And yeah. it's... Um, it's I love it. It's solid the whole way through. Yeah, I absolutely adore it. Um, it's it's really beautifully drawn. Um, I, the way she weaves her story through her actual art is really well done. Um, and the stories themselves, too. They're short, but they're intense. And I, I love a good ghost story. Mm-hmm. I love a horror story. Like So this book was, um, this is a really fun read for me. Good. Yeah, I, uh, I re- recommended it to you because I knew you liked this style. Both the art, I think, fit with, uh, it with stuff that you do. And then th- I know that this is kind of your the, the type of stuff that you like to read. <laughs> what was the other book that I recommended to you just before that? Beautiful Darkness, right? Yeah, that book was really, really nice too. It had this dark fairy tale thing going on. Again, the illustration in it was beautiful. And the story um, was written through the illustration really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really enjoy those dark kind of... It's almost like a kid's book. Kind well, like it's like book. modern, you know, Grimm's fairy tales were actually very yeah. grim back when mm-hmm. they were written and they've been softened over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, and and these ones are basically just that. It's yeah. this one through the woods and beautiful darkness are both fairy tales um, or like cautionary tales or mm-hmm. and but uh, but in a very grim way, um, they, they just kind of bring back that that tone. Yeah. 
Um, so Emily Carroll, um, her, her, the way she starts this whole thing is just a little introduction, um, and I, I feel it's autobiographical, just about herself reading in the dark and just having that one little light available to her and immediately it's like oh I'm gonna like this book because it's like that was me <laughs> I yep. was reading like horrible ghost stories and I wouldn't want to turn off my light or be in the dark or have any limbs sticking off my bed because right. it was gonna be a tragedy otherwise <laughs> <laughs> I think most of us can relate yeah. with the, that yeah and, and that's um it's the perfect way to set it up because we know what we're getting into we're going to he- now hear a bunch of stories that are going to make us want to keep our limbs from going over mm-hmm. the bed and that's great were there any that actually made you feel that way? Um, let me see. Yes, it was. Uh, the lady's hands are cold was really good. I liked that one a lot. And of, you know, the nesting place at the, the end. The nesting was place the first, is really like, good. She left that one the best for last. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that one's a great story. Um, she, act- I think there's a prequel to it on her website, so you can oh, read, you can oh, read a prequel yeah. to it if you'd like. And it's it's kind of interesting because it doesn't say outright that it's a prequel but well that concept can can go in any time in any place yes yeah yeah so it's it's really well done i i actually jumped at his face all red like i had a moment where i was reading this book alone in the office or at least i thought i was alone and i got to the last page and it's it's again really well illustrated and the last page really struck with me and just as i turn the page the air conditioning in the office kicks (laughs) in and i like i squeaked and awesome. I jumped in my chair so good. Um, because it hit at just the right spot and that I found that story um, that one was probably my favorite in the whole book okay his face all red I mean cool. the nesting place is really really good don't get yeah. me wrong it's probably the more masterful story in the book yeah um, but his face all red to me with the brothers um, I really liked that story like it was it had this creepiness to it that yeah I, yeah well why don't you want to tackle each story one by one and sure because I think they're all worth talking about okay um, so yeah. the first one, Our Neighbor's House, it follows um, three sisters and um, their father goes out hunting in the woods and he gives them very specific instructions of what to do if he doesn't come back. Yeah. And um, it's really only the, the middle daughter, um, Beth, who wants to adhere to her father's instructions. And she's the narrator of the yeah, story. Yeah, she's the narrator of the story. And um, the other two sisters, they, they kind of do their own thing, the older and the younger, and each one... Um, as time passes, get taken, or at least it seems like they get taken in the night um, by, you know, someone who may or may not be a man. So they're not entirely sure yeah. uh, what's going on there. Yeah, they say that there's um, th- the the older sister says she that someone came to the door and is going to save them from what you know their state. Yeah, and then then she's gone the next day. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing happens with the younger sister until it's just Beth left. And she, she actually strikes out on her own to follow her father's instruction. Uh, but at the end, when she gets to the house that her father instructed them to go to, she's faced with that same character yeah. um, who is no man. Um, I, I like the story. It's a good introduction to the whole book. Um, yep. It's a simple concept. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's still, yeah, it, I mean, it's a story of death basically like Mm -hmm. that's who the guy is yeah the creature at the end is basically death taking them away because they they're dying because it's the frozen winter they have no food and they have no resources it's um i really like the way this story is drawn because for the most part it's it's dark like it starts off kind of light 
and then it goes into this sort of darkness. But then she has this really brilliant use of white space with the snow. Oh, yes. And it feels like a dark page, even though most of the page is white. Like, it's just a really gorgeous illustration. And it's got this sort of desolation to it as well. I like that loneliness that horror stories kind of impart on you. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're always going to be alone. You're always going to feel alone in your plight. So Yeah, and the yeah. use of red throughout this book is uh, is really symbolic as well like she um this this story is very it has a very muted palette it only uses kind of grays and browns except for her red cloak Mm. which stands out brilliantly and then the blood moon um over top as well it's it's bright red and uh you really get a sense of of uh this ominous presence hanging over with the with the moon which is only in that one page that's almost all white Mm -hmm. um but it really adds to it it makes it stand out and then couple that with the uh the red of her cloak seems like a foreshadow of of death yeah it's a yeah this is a really nice story do you want to talk about your favorite uh yeah sure yeah yeah a lady's hands are cold this is um (coughs) this one's a little bit of a longer story this and it takes place in kind of a victorian era um, there was a, it starts off, there was a girl and there was a man and there was the girl's father who said, you will marry this man. So she traveled to a low, lowly road and arrived at a white, white, a wide white manor. And it has all of the, um, it, it's your typical like pride and prejudice kind of looking house yeah. and, and the coach is drawn by horses and they're traveling through the forest and such. And, um, and then, uh, it gives you a little bit of a table. I mean, a, a little bit of a story. Um, about this woman who eventually, um, you know, uh, she stays at this place, but then um, at night um, she starts hearing voices. Singing. Singing, yes. A singing voice, singing through the walls and through the floors and throughout the house, Mm -hmm. talking, saying, um, I married my love in the springtime, but by summer he locked me away. He'd murdered me dead by the autumn, and by winter I, I was not but decay. It's cold where I am and so lonely, but in this loneliness I will remain unloved, unavenged, and forgotten until I am whole once again. So we have this kind of creepy poem, mm. which, you know, poems, creepy poems are great for horror stories, right? Yeah. Um, they're warnings. They're warnings. And this yeah. one's a warning, too. So she doesn't know what it means, but throughout the course of the story, she keeps hearing it until it kind of drives her a little mad. Mm-hmm. And, and she's not sure what she's hearing either. She's trying to look for confirmation from other people right. in the house. Yeah, no one yeah. else uh, no one else admits to hearing it mm-hmm. at least. So she um she takes an axe to a window or to a wall at one point and finds inside the wall where she thinks the voice is coming from a pair of hands and they were cold uh which is the where the title comes from. And then she she searches the rest of the house and eventually finds all of the pieces of this woman. And she's been (laughs) chopped up and dismembered and scattered all throughout the house underneath floorboards and, you know, under the stairs or whatever. And And eventually make it kind of sterile, but it's kind of terrifying finding body pieces. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. And then she eventually finds the head and the head starts singing the same song. So she, and at the end of the song, it says, you know, um, I, I need to be avenged, basically. Put mm-hmm. me back together. So yeah. the the woman collects all the pieces and ties her back together with string. Red string. Red string. And, uh, yeah, there's the red again. Mm-hmm. It plays important parts throughout here. And, and through this whole thing, the uh, the woman is wearing a red ruby brooch, or a red ruby necklace, I mean. 
um, there's the red also. And, um, and the woman, see, once she's put back, the, the dismembered woman, once she's reassembled, sees the, the necklace and is like, that's mine. And then basically, um, you know, attacks the woman and she runs away. And I think it's sort of, it seems like it's going to be a cyclical story Mm -hmm. where she runs away and she basically uh, is frightened so much that her blood kind of dries up and her hands are cold. It says mm-hmm. that her hands are cold at the yeah. end. And um, I wonder if the man's going to kill her, chop her body parts up and well, hide her in the house. Like she flees the corpse that's attacking her, but the husband's returning to the house at the same time. And she runs past the husband oh, to yeah. to get away. And he's returning to the house. So I, I would hope that, you know, maybe he meets some kind of fate. It's very reminiscent of Bluebeard, you know, the, the fairy tale Bluebeard where he has... Um, all of his wives in the cellar, and oh, yeah. um, he's killed them all. And he tells his his current wife, "Hey, here's the keys to the house. I'm going away for a bit. Don't use that one key though. <laughs> Don't touch it." <laughs> yeah, that's always a good thing yeah. to say. <laughs> Um, so I I don't know it's it's left ambiguous um, the ending, but I think most horror has to be left ambiguous at the ending because you, your imagination can't run away with you otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I the way I read it was that, you know, she's she's traumatized and I don't know what's going to happen to her, but I would hope that there's some sort of thing that happens to him too, realizing that that corpse is back together in his house. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, some interesting stylistic things here too. The woman at the very beginning looks, at she, she's drawn very normal and they color her hands with red hues and mm-hmm. her cheeks red to indicate that her hands are warm. Or that her body has life in it. Yeah. And then throughout, because she's not getting sleep, she just gets these dark circles around her eyes that just get darker and darker as the story goes on until at the very end, she they're just completely... She's got these huge black rings around her eyes and um, it, it just kind of shows the life being sucked mm-hmm. out of her throughout this entire well, she thing. She looks like the corpse at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and um, and yeah and and just her her use of panels in this one is very different mm-hmm. um, because the, the first story is very much um, straightforward panel panels that are it's structured the illustration doesn't waver through the yeah, whole thing but this one is completely wild and um, like panels are often made up of um, the the song is woven through and mm-hmm. create creates the panel like the bubble that the the words are. Um, you'll have one page that has the girl drawn in at multiple times to show passage of time and without any panels. Yeah, it's just a, it's a much more wild style of doing things. I wonder if um, the way she draws this is because a lot of her comics, or at least my understanding is where she started drawing comics was online yeah. and doing web comics. Um, to read her comics online, you have to scroll. Th- she does neat things with how the panels are laid out online. You're like scrolling left to right, and then you have to scroll down and oh, then you yeah. have to scroll left and right again like it's you're like going through this maze on cool. your on your web browser to try and find the rest of the story and i think it's just that act of of scrolling through it that you encounter all these sort of dark points or a, a string of thread leading you through mm-hmm. uh panel to panel that you you can't really do that in print media it doesn't it doesn't work no. um but that i think that translates really well for that particular story especially the way the song in red just carries through all the different panels yeah well and the difference between when you see it online you're forced to scroll so you don't yes. know what's coming up yes. next but when you read it in print your eye takes in the entire page all at once mm-hmm. and then you start dissecting what's on the page yeah. so you get um, like those panels where sh- where she draws the woman in there three times without any panel borders is like you get to 
to take it all in at once. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, she wouldn't probably wouldn't do that same thing online in the way that you're s- describing. That sounds mm-hmm. really good. I should uh, yeah, check that out you online. You should definitely check out her website. Mm-hmm. There's some hidden gems on there. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. There's some interesting things happening. Sounds great. Well, yeah. if there's anything like this, then it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Okay, um, the next story, His Face All Red, yeah. you should uh, talk about this one since okay. it's your favorite. This was definitely my favorite. So His Face All Red, um, it, it opens with um, a scene of men in a bar um, just hanging out, and the very first line is, this man is not my brother. And it's the narration of um, this fair-haired brother talking about... Um, they don't have any names, do they? I, d- I don't think they have names. They just talk about, you know, this is... This is my brother. He has a cottage and a plump wife with starry eyes. You know? <laughs> um, and it's it's written very much like a fairy tale. And I, I think we get back into more traditional panels in this story as well. Um, so he's talking about how he's hanging out with this guy who's his brother, but it's not his brother because he killed his brother last week. <laughs> and then it goes into the story about how the village has been um, kind of ravaged by this beast in the night and no one's too sure what's going on. So the the younger brother kind of seeing his chance to gain some prominence in society because his, his older brother's got, you know, more social status. People yep. love him. Mm-hmm. He's got a wife, whereas the younger brother, he's alone. He's, well, I assume he's younger. He's shorter and he's fair haired. And that yeah. usually indicates. Yeah. That. So, um, you know, he doesn't have anything and he decides I, I will go hunt the beast, but then the village laughs at him. Um, and his brother's like, well, we'll go hunt it together. And, you know, throughout this little hunt, um, the the brother is the older brother is very confident and the younger brother is very scared and eventually you know they find this wolf and the older brother kills it and he's laughing and he's happy about it and you know the younger brother feels a twinge of jealousy about how grateful the jealous are, the villagers are going to be towards the older brother for saving them uh, so he kills his brother <laughs> and um, returns to the village with a piece of cl- um, the brother's jacket. And, you know, life kind of continues as normal. He adopts his brother's animals. He comforts his brother's wife. And eventually... He's the new town hero. Yeah. And um, eventually this person comes out of the woods who looks like his brother and talks like his brother. And everyone's so grateful that his brother's back. Yeah. But there's something wrong. Yeah. There's that sort of... There's there's that weird doppelganger. (laughs) And his coat is in one piece. Like, there's no torn piece of his coat. Um, and every night he sees um, his brother going out into the yard and just digging a hole. Oh, I probably should have mentioned earlier that he threw his brother's body in a deep hole in the woods. Right. Um, and so he's not too sure what's going on here. He's trying to figure it out. Um, and his brother, ever since he came out of the woods and came back, won't look at him. Like, they talk, they hang out, but his brother won't look at him. And so trying to figure out what's going on, he goes back into the woods one night and goes back down that hole to try and find his brother's body to make sure he's not going crazy. Yep. And he sees it there at the bottom of the pit. And in the very last scene, uh, you know, the body's head turns to look at him <laughs> and his face is all red. So it's yep. a really unsettling story. It gave me goosebumps. It totally creeped me out. And then, of course, the air conditioner. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bit of a fright, but I, I really loved the way the story was drawn and... Um, you know, it's it's a bright, happy, idyllic little village, and uh, there's this sort of darkness with this competition between siblings. Mm-hmm. So, um, did, what did you think about this story? Oh, I thought it was it was really good, um, well thought out. Um, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, which is nice. Um, it it has that very um, 
um, familiar kind of, it starts kind of familiar with the whole, I killed my brother, but he's come back. What's wrong with him kind of thing. But yeah, you just don't know. Did like the beast that they're attacking, was that actually a person that has, or like some sort of demon that's possessed a body. And then now the, the brother has possessed the body. And he's going to kill everybody, but it actually ends more simply than that. It's just, uh, the, um, in fact, we don't even really know, like what it's left kind of open-ended. Mm-hmm. But you know there's something uncanny happening. Like, there's something For very sure. wrong with, like, yes. his brother's body being in the pit, but then his brother also digging a pit in his own backyard. Yeah, it doesn't really give you answers at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, um, let me see. The the panels are all, um, all of the whole page is black backgrounds, which is kind of pretty similar with, with the rest of the book. Um which gives it a much darker feel rather than if the the spaces between the panels were white. Yeah. And um again it's kind of a muted um it's all kind of browns and that kind of thing cuz I think that's a uh, reflective of the time period which I think I would place it at um oh I don't know kind of the when when would, would this it's a classic fairy tale kind of setting. Oh, I think it's seems. like a feudal thing or uh, not even like 16th 17th century yeah i think so we, yeah, yeah whenever like you see movies like tangled and yeah or um not beauty and the beast or whatever age. yeah it's, it's that it's that era <laughs> yeah but again there's um of course because this one deals with blood you get the red in there my, my mm-hmm. favorite page is when he shoots his brother because there's mm-hmm. three panels um and it's just a shot of the woods the trees yeah and there's no sound effect but you know that uh, that uh, the brother's been shot because the middle panel is completely red mm-hmm. and that indicates the gunshot or mm-hmm. whatever and that, it's just that's a really great way to to tell mm-hmm. that that part then it goes back to just the same forest scene again yeah so there's there's really nothing happening between the panels except for the red flash yeah and then it's over it's effective it's really effective yeah. and i find that um she she plays with that kind of thing as well. It's like it's better to to show things off screen mm-hmm. um, than to to show show it all the gory details. Yeah, well, she has a master for subtlety, right? Yeah, There's, um, she it's crafted very well. Oh, sorry. So actually, the um, that scene that I was talking about was when the brother shot the beast. But it repeats. But itself, it repeats yeah. itself when the bro- when the younger brother shoots the older brother. It shows the wolf. A close uh, three panels of the wolf and mm-hmm. the middle panel is all red to indicate the gunshot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, so it does it two times. Yeah. Um, but I was just quoting the wrong one. <laughs> um, so now that you've told me a little bit about um, her webcomics, mm-hmm. I think that this one, especially the last few pages, what really show off the possibilities of what she does online. Because yeah. um, as he's digging down the hole, um, the, the panels, there's just one really narrow vertical panel mm-hmm. um, it, on one page and it shows the guy kind of climbing down and mm-hmm. that would be really effective yeah. if you were actually scrolling down yeah. on, a, on a screen and same when you know he hit, hits the bottom and it forces you to turn right um, mm-hmm. it would do it would, that would do the same thing mm-hmm. um, and then you get a little animated gif or something like yeah. that of, actually uh, she does have some, she of, does? some okay. of her comics are animated perfect on yeah because so that'd be great of, definitely you, you, worth checking out you reach it you reach that that panel and then mm-hmm. the head turns like that yeah. would be great. Yeah. I think it would be perfect. And then the air conditioner comic. goes off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How does she time that? I'm not sure, but it would work. 
But yeah, it's um, I I like the colors in this one too because when we've got when we're talking about that as sort of idyllic life, he's coveting his brother's wife and animals and stuff. You've got more fairy tale colors kind yes, of. Yes, yeah, the other brightness comes yeah. out. Um, and then you know, of course. Everything happens in the darkness. Yeah. I th- actually think this one might be online. Um, okay. So worth checking out. And I'm pretty sure it goes through that scrolling oh, thing where he's climbing into I the hope pit. so. That would be yeah. perfect. And it does the same thing where um, the time passing as he's climbing down, there's no panel separation. It's just him drawn again mm-hmm. and again as he lowers into the pit yeah. repeatedly. Which would work well for scrolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, her art style, while it's similar and familiar, it, it also changes. Um, these characters have a much uh, have a way more uh, different style than the last than the last story uh, than the ladies hands are cold because while that one is m- way more concerned with um, kind of uh, just little de- a lot of details and um, f- the fanciness of the Victorian era like it comes out in the artwork this mm-hmm. one is um, just more of a raw style yeah the characters have more stylized faces the character like the the younger brother has eyes that don't have pupils in them kind of mm-hmm. like a little orphan annie style mm-hmm. um so it's yeah it's neat that she 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 curves her art style to the story yes um but it the whole thing still seems familiar and constant that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a good one it's a good one um so my friend jen is the next story up and it it follows these two girls um Jenna and Yvonne. Yeah. And they, they're charlatans, really. Right? They pretend they can speak to the dead. Yeah. Um, and they pull this whole thing with the town where um, they do seances and talk to their loved ones. And they're, they're best of friends. You know, they've got a bit of a morbid thing going on, um, but they're the best of friends. And they, they continue to do these seances uh, where one of them hides in the wall and the <laughs> other one, yep. you know, does all the acting. And um, they, they talk about it, and um, they decide whether or not what they're doing is right. Um, ultimately, I think they continue with it for a bit, and then... Um, they want to get out of it, but people keep coming to them. Yeah. And won't leave her alone. <laughs> yeah, because they want to talk to their loved ones. They want to see what's out there beyond death. And then um, Yvonne says that her friend Jana is haunted. Yeah, so there's kind of two parts of this story. And the first one is a picture of Jana at the very beginning. It says, my friend Jana speaks to the dead and talks about their history and then halfway through is a picture of her the same picture of her but this kind of this wispy cloud around her kind of with arms uh, it looks like a spirit wrapped around her mm-hmm. says my friend jenna is, is haunted yeah and she she observes this and she doesn't think jenna can see it but she also can't talk to jenna about it um and it you know she says that it has a heartbeat i think i've seen its insides pulse and catch fire like branches of a dead tree and the way this thing is drawn is it's really, really cool. cool. Um, it, it looks frightening, the way mm-hmm. it's drawn. Because you basically only see its nervous system. Mm-hmm. And, and it's red, of course. Yeah, of course it is. Um, and then, you know, she, she starts to worry about Jana more and more, and Jana starts pushing her away more and more. Um, and it's like her whole attitude changes. And um, eventually... Uh, probably cut this part out. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, what happens is um, Jana stops hanging out with Yvonne at all. And uh, one day, her friend tells her that Jana's asking for her and she should go seek her out. And she can't find Jana until she gets to her house one night. She goes through there in the woods and uh, she, she sees Jana just standing in the window with this ghost swirling around her. And she screams out in the night to her. 
Um, but it looks like Jana meets a pretty bad end. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly sure what happens, but I don't know. It looks like her nervous system is being torn out of her eyeballs or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, very exorcist. And then when she finally like makes it up to Jana's room after seeing that in the window, she's not there anymore. Um, and so nobody really knows what happened to Jana. Everybody goes looking for her. And um, at the very end, um, somebody goes to Yvonne like, hey, Yvonne. And when she turns around, the same ghost is... Is wrapped around her. Is wrapped yeah. around her. And she's getting testy and her attitude's changing like Jana's attitude was changing. So... Now, is this like... Um, is this like a, a cautionary tale for people who pretend to talk to the dead? It's like you, the dead will come for you if you mess with this kind of thing. I I think so. Except that ghost that she draws is nothing like any ghost that I would, you know, that right. I've seen before. Or and I mean that's part of the charm. It's such a unique yeah. take on um, on a ghost, <laughs> if that's what it is. I mean, it it seems like it's headed in that direction, um, especially because the two are so close. Um, but then I would also question, like, why didn't it happen to both of them at the same time? Right. Um, but yeah. But I was wondering also, at what point does Yvonne get taken over by the ghost? Like, is it the same ghost that attacks one and then the other? Or is it, um, or is it just two separate spirits? Because it's not like she actually meets, like, she doesn't confront Janna at the very end. That's true. And Jana doesn't know that this is happening to her. Yeah. So how long has this been happening with Yvonne? And Yvonne mm -hmm. doesn't know that this has been happening to her. Right. It's a good question. It's a creepy story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think out of all the stories in the book, this one's probably... I like them all, but this one's probably my least favorite. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Mm -hmm. It's um, It doesn't have the same... It, it kind of ran its course. And I don't know, I kind of expected the ending, which is kind of like I wasn't expecting the other endings yeah. so this one that made this one less exciting yeah I think my favorite um, page in the whole thing is when she finds Jana's uh, journal yeah and her journal is just insanity and like that happens in horror stories all the time you find yeah. somebody's book it's like what are they writing or the know? room that they're in is covered in nonsense on right. the walls or all work and no play yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah. Um, so this I, I felt like this page was like that but it's um, it's a lot of really interesting scribbles, and some of the some of the things that are written on here are kind of bizarre, like lots of weird dreams. And hmm. um, you know, I, if you read through these dreams, I think um, Yvonne has the same dream at some point. So, I mean, it's it's hmm. this is a creepy page. But yeah. having said that, like a lot of this story, um, it's again in those muted colors. Yeah, this one seems more grayed out it's than really the other gray. ones. It's really gray. Yeah, um, and so the red on the spirit definitely pops, especially in that scene where Jen is in the window. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This one was again my least favorite out of all of them. Still like it. Still, it's still pretty good, but it's not. It doesn't stand up to the other stories that are around it. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Last story in the book um, is called what is it called? The nesting place. Oh yeah, the nesting place. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> this one is um, the longest story as well. Um, it's it takes up a good like maybe a third of the book, whereas the other ones are much shorter. But this 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 story is about um, um, a girl named Belle Mabel. She calls herself Belle, mm -hmm. um, who goes to live with her brother, or is it just a vacation? I think it's just a little oh, she's vacation. She's at boarding school, and so it's the boarding school break, 
and uh, her, okay. something's happened to her mother. She's uh, uh, probably dead. I think that's what's said usually. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so she's gonna go live with her brother for the break. Um, and her brother's fiance mm-hmm. is around as well. So that and this is a house in the country. So she goes there, and um, she's your typical kind of withdrawn outsider kind of girl. She's got a brace on her leg, so she, you know, can't be cool with sports or anything <laughs> like that, right? So, but she buries herself in her books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she meets um, the fiance, who is um, all class and like n- in the 1930s kind of flapper style. So yeah. I think this story takes place in the 30s. Um, She's very excitable too, very sunny disposition. Yep. And it contrasts really starkly with Mabel's sort of dourness, I want to say. Like she's a very dark kid almost. Um, yeah. Well, and that comes out because they give um, the fiance, whose name is Rebecca, they give her a, a, a light blue dress. To show how cheery her, she is, and she mm-hmm. has got this light brown hair, mm-hmm. whereas everybody else, again, with this muted palette, is it's all dark and gray. But um, Mabel really stands out as being quite cheerful. Um, um, Rebecca, or sorry, Rebecca, sorry, yeah. as quite cheerful. Yeah. So we go through the story, and right away they're eating dinner, and we see something is really wrong with Rebecca's teeth. <laughs> they, she's eating something, and the teeth make this little tick, 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 click sound, and they like wiggle back and forth. And uh, Clarence, the brother, doesn't seem to notice this, or he doesn't care. It's just kind of strange. Yeah. So anyway, we go through the story, and we get a little bit of um, of a flashback, because there's a, a housemaid that lives at Clarence's place. Madame Beauchamp. Yeah, Beauch- Beauchamp. And she tells the story of how, how Mab- uh, Mabel should not go into the woods, because you might get lost there just like Rebecca was lost there for three days. She was all alone in the dark, and then she came out of the woods. Um, and, you know, based on the other stories here, <laughs> things people returning back from things are, is never a good thing. Well, the whole book's called Through the Woods, right? So Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so she's like, something's wrong with Mabel, so she starts kind of um, paying attention, and weird things start happening. Um, and so she decides to investigate the woods herself, and she falls down this hole in a cave, and she, when she's in the hole, she sees Rebecca, which is completely off, um, like unexpected, mm-hmm. and Rebecca seems to be talking to somebody, referring them to, to, to them as her babies, and then, uh, <laughs> then then the, one of the more, most frightening scenes, <laughs> uh, you turn the page, and Rebecca turns around, and there are these weird red things coming out of every orifice in her face. Yeah, they're all like worm-like, and they kind of look like disembodied organs almost. And it is such a good page. They're tapped with teeth, like it's it's creepy. Yeah, yeah. And so we find out that like there is this this something, or no? So she faints, and then she um she's she wakes up back in her bed in her house and. Um, Rebecca's trying to be like, uh, no, nothing's wrong and everything's okay. And <laughs> Mabel's like, no, she's a monster. Her face wasn't there. And, yeah. What and do they you just think, think about she that? has the fits from being in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then it's just, um, Clarence goes into town to get a doctor or something. And then, uh, and Mabel and Rebecca have this heart to heart and it's just, it's so, it's, I, I think it's unnerving because the, the, the drawings are just fantastic in mm-hmm. this part. Just, uh, the horror of, mm-hmm. of. Um, because I guess these these this creature these worm like creatures are living in the skin of Rebecca so they 
they can mold and, and uh, move around the skin as they please. And mm -hmm. it just, the way she draws it is just... I know, the face being missing with nothing but the <laughs> oh, teeth. Man, and the way it pulls back, it's uh, Yeah, just... you see the skin folds and, oh man, it's just, you have to see it to yeah. understand. It's just fantastic. It's a great panel, great set of panels. And, uh, and the creature's all red. Mm -hmm. Of course. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we go through the story and um, Mabel finds a way to kind of escape Rebecca. And then they go to town, but then we find out in the end, the big the big twist at the end is now that these these worms have now affected Mabel as well. They've taken over her skin because I guess I guess Rebecca's skin is wearing out or something. See, I read that as they took over Clarence's skin. I mean, oh sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, I meant Clarence, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Clarence's skin. Mm -hmm, yeah, it he is. He goes for an apple, and his teeth yeah. start doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Mabel. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um. So yeah, he uh, he's infected as well. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I I thought this was. I think this one was my favorite for sure, just because of the the definite creepy factor. She mm -hmm. had a longer story, so she could play with the narrative a little bit mm -hmm. more and uh, and and develop the characters a bit more. It has an excellent build in it. Yeah, you know, it's just you know a something's slow not build. right with Rebecca. There's, right from the beginning, there's yep. something yep. very wrong with her. Um, and then there's that. I think there's a part part way through where Madame Beauchamp disappears. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and just like, what happened to Madame Beauchamp? Did she <laughs> get sick? And like, Mabel had this encounter with her in the evening where she did not look well at all. And I I think the way the story went was um, the, the little worm things in Rebecca were trying to use Madame Beauchamp as a host and yeah. it wouldn't fit. Right. Which, I mean, that her has skin is too old and oh, saggy. Has pretty gross implications. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what do you do with the body? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the way they draw that she draws Rebecca, especially because the skin, her arms, have this white outline the entire time. Mm -hmm. Everything else is inked in black. Mm -hmm. But she, her hands and her neck. Sometimes her whole face, too. But it's it kind of comes in and out. But she has a brightness to her. Yeah. Like she's glowing through most of it. Which I, I feel like it's like um, she has no insides. So her skin has this kind of translucent mm. quality to it. Oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really well done. Yeah. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. There's a... There's a I kind of feel bad talking about it in such great detail because um, people really be should read. be experiencing yeah, it. For so sure. go out and read this. It's so good. It's difficult to talk about something <laughs> that has so many visual needs to it. Like yeah. you, And again, I think the same thing with her website. You know, when you go through her website and there's so many things you can't do in print, it's the same, same. But um, it the story, the whole book ends with a little epilogue about um, getting through the woods yeah. and how you have to be careful when you're going through the woods and you must travel safe and you must travel carefully. And if you avoid the wolf, you can sleep really nicely in your bed. Mm -hmm. But you have to avoid the wolf every single time because the wolf only needs to find you once. Whether or not the wolf is looking for you, you don't know that. Yeah. You just have to, you have to, it's frightening to travel through the woods every single time you go through the woods. Mm-hmm. But the wolf, yeah, yeah, the wolf only needs enough luck to find you once. Yeah, so it's a great little wrap-up. And uh, this is definitely worth a read. I, I, Honestly, I would endorse it for purchase because I certainly bought it. And the, it's just a great book to have on the shelf. It is. It really mm -hmm. is. And and for it to be her first full work, mm -hmm. it's like this is, it's great. It's yeah. fully formed and, mm -hmm. and it's just a solid book. Mm-hmm. So good for her. I am, I look forward to seeing what she comes up with next. Yeah, I hope she comes up with a lot more things. Yeah. And definitely check out her website. So many okay. good things on there. Yeah, I definitely will too. 
Okay, so in the next episode, uh, check it, check out, we're going to be talking about a manga called A Girl on the Shore by Inio Asano. And, um, and then next month with my new host, Jamie Fong, we will be talking about Private Eye by Brian K. Vaughn. Um, we'll be talking about Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, um, by Kate Leith and Brittany Williams. And then also This One Summer by Mariko and Jillian Tamaki. So stay tuned to that, and we will see you next episode. Keep reading comics. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll. Uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram at pullboxpodcast. And you can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ArcWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can can also find all of our other great podcasts over at Thunderquack.com. And uh, uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, of which we are proudly a part. And uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to Patreon.com slash Thunderquack. And, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps. But uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter, then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one lo- super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash thunderquack and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.